0: Hey there, Kirsten Halverson here, CEO of Harness Your Power, an equine-inspired healing and growth company. Thank you so much for tuning into my podcast. My mission is simple. It is to help you see your worth and potential for growth. You matter, and you have value, and I seriously cannot wait to show you that. Hey guys, I'm excited to talk to you today about how to become a better spouse a better employee, a better business owner, a better parent. And I'm going to start with a quote by Ralph Waldo Emerson. And he says, what you are, speak so loudly that I can hardly hear what you're saying. And that's really going to be um, a focus of what we're talking about today. So I'm going to take you back several years, um, almost a decade, when I was wheeled out of the hospital after I gave birth to my first son. I was in disbelief that I was to care for this child without the help of all those CNAs, nurses, lactation specialists, and doctors. What was I to do if he were to cry uncontrollably, wouldn't eat, or heaven forbid, wouldn't sleep? But as the years have gone by, um, I have definitely become professional at anticipating the needs of my kids so much that... I have snacks in the car when they get hangry, water when they are thirsty, and baby wipes when they are sticky. You have so much control when they are younger, but something happens along the way. As That infant grows into a toddler, into a young child, into a teen, and then an adult. It's agency. Now, no matter what we as parents tell them, they still get to choose on their own. Whether they are a toddler and decide to eat candy anyway, or the teen that chooses to totally disregard curfew, for instance, it really doesn't matter. They all have choices, and we as the parent no longer have the ability to fully control what happens next. It's a super hard transition, to say the least, and to be honest, it terrifies me that my ability to completely protect them is slipping. So since becoming a parent, I have most definitely mastered the ability to tell my kids what to do or what not to do. And this is a great skill to develop because it often keeps my kids or your kids safe from harm or accident or whatever dangers are in this world. The problem is that I often would forget that telling them what to do or what is healthy, or what is safe will always just be words if I'm not practicing these principles myself. So as a mother, I've been called out so many times. (laughs) I remember one time specifically, I had told uh, my kids that I wasn't going to buy them any soda. It wasn't good for them. Um, It had sugar in it. Um, you know, all these excuses. I, legit- I legitimately said this, but simultaneously I had a two liter Dr. Pepper in my fridge and my kids called me on it. They said, why can't we have a soda when you have one in the fridge right now? Touche. <laughs> I always thought do as I say and not as I do would work as a parent. But it hasn't thus far, so I really don't recommend it. My concept that I want to share with you today is what if we stopped worrying about controlling our children, our boss, our spouse, our employees, and we started taking control of ourselves. This is actually significantly less stressful, and we have 100% control of ourselves versus Not super promising numbers for our children or our bosses or employees, et cetera, spouse. So as the owner of my equine coaching business, I meet a ton of parents that have dreams and goals for their children to be better and more successful than they are or ever will be. They want so many more opportunities, successes, and joys for their children than they ever had themselves They want to help their kids avoid pain and pitfalls that they have experienced as a youth or even young adults. And lastly, they truly want their kids to be happy and fully enjoy their lives, regardless of the circumstances that they find themselves in. They're simply looking to help their kids in any way possible in order to give them the upper hand in life. The problem is not bringing them to me because the horses and I can most definitely help with healing and growing and changing and letting go, but they go back home to their same environment. And what is that environment like? So for for example, if I were to have a young client who needs to start facing their fears, Needs to start start taking initiative um, and has so much growth in sessions, but goes home to parents that never take risks, never go for their goals or face any of their own fears. Our example will always speak louder than words. Have you ever told your kid to not fear failure? And have you ever not gone for a goal because of the fear of failure? Kids are smart, you guys. They see us not reaching for the stars when we tell them to. They see us eating poorly and not exercising when we tell them that physical health is important. They see us eating a carton of ice cream when we are having an emotional breakdown, yet tell them to stop crying, get over it, suck it up when they're having one. They see us. And I'm sure it's so confusing to them to be fed all these high expectations only because we love them and we want the best for them and we want more more for them than we ever had the opportunity to even fathom. But we may not be living a dang one of them. Talk about pressure. These kids have so much pressure. And we are not even practicing half the things that we expect our kids to practice or our employees or our spouse. So before you start getting stressed up and in your head about thinking about how to have a balanced life or that you don't have enough time or money to go on a retreat or meditate for two hours every day, breathe because you're probably doing an incredible job with the knowledge and resources you have. You're here trying to improve for the sake of your child and that's impressive in and of itself. So being a parent, especially as a mother, because that's what I can speak to, is literally self-sacrificing. So as a mother, you you may sacrifice your physical body as it grows in weird unbalanced proportions And then your emotions just take a ride of their own on the crazy train. And then after this beautiful act of selflessness, if this is how you become a mother, the worldly influence make it seem as if the most, the more self-sacrificing you are, the more heroic you are. As if you're a better mother because you don't take care of yourself first. Yet we all know that when we're on an airplane they verily very clearly state that we must secure our own oxygen mask first before assisting others even a child. But why would we do this? What about the children? But exactly, if we cared about the children, then we would secure our mask first because then and only then are we able to for sure be able to protect them, and to serve them. We can't do anything if we're passed out. Are we securing our own oxygen mask first? Do we shame ourselves into self-sacrificing behaviors because we're parents, or we're a wife, or we're a husband, and we're a business owner, and we're the best employee? Or are we seeing how lucrative that influence really is. Showing them, whoever them is to you, a child, a spouse, whoever, by example is difficult and it takes healthy practices and major boundaries to be able to be the example we expect them to emulate in their lives. So do they see us securing our mass first or last? Do they see whether we respect ourselves and our boundaries or not? They will model your behavior before they listen to what you say. So what are we saying with our examples? Now, of course, this is going to look incredibly different for each of us. And some of us may need 20 minutes alone a day to simply be fulfilled and that's enough. Or there are others of us that need a good three hours before the kids wake up to feel as if our cup is full and ready to be poured into other people. Self-care often looks like trial and error. We try different things to see how much they fill us up. If they're worth the time and money, and some work and some don't. And that's beside the point. The point is that you are actively pursuing and looking for ways to take care of your physical, emotional, and mental health. So when the storms come, and they're coming, You will have the tools to handle it. And guess who may be watching? Your cute little guy, or your spouse, or your employees, or your boss. Practicing self care and setting boundaries around that, and you will be so surprised at how fulfilled and peaceful you feel despite the circumstances of that day. So, I wanted to quickly share um, some of the things that I have done. that have really, really filled my cup. Um, now of course I've read Miracle Morning, um, because that is a very important book to read as a business owner, they say. And so it walks through, um, these different steps and, um, I've kind of adopted some and I've let some go. So that's kind of where things started for me, um, practicing self-care because as a mother and a business owner, I feel like I don't have time in the day for self-care. You know, the second my kids are up, I am making them breakfast and I am getting them dressed and I am, you know, I homeschool and, you know, all the things that we're doing throughout the day that it just seems really hard to make time for that. And then Like it's not going to be peaceful and it's not going to be fun. It's not going to be rejuvenating because the kids are going to be bugging me and I'm going to be like, shh, I got to do my 20 minutes of reading or I got to do my yoga or I got to do my meditation, whatever it is. And that seems a little bit, um, not so fulfilling to me. Like it doesn't necessarily feel like filling my cup if I'm trying to like work it in and you know amongst the chaos of my daily routine. And so um, I've come up with some practices um, that work really, really well for me. Um, And one of them is waking up before my kids. Um, And I will say it wasn't always easy. I'm not, I wouldn't call myself a morning person unless I'm like going to Disneyland or something. Um, Then I would say that I'm a morning person other than that, I am not. And my alarm will snooze until it snoozes no longer until I've conquered the snooze and, and I continue on sleeping. And so, um, one of the principles that I've been forced to adopt almost because this was such a, a difficult thing for me to overcome was, um, Mel Robbins five second rule. And it's simply that it's, giving yourself only five seconds to make a decision. And so um, you count backwards from five. And, you know, if it's, um, you know, you're not supposed to eat that ice cream or whatever. And you kind of stop your brain and it's five, four, three, two, one. And then, you know, you make that decision, you walk away. Um, it's a distraction of our brain. Um, our brain is constantly protecting us from, um, change because it's uncomfortable. It's, um, not routine. It's not normal. And so we, we break that, those boundaries or those goals we have for ourselves because it's not a habit, first of all. And two, it's against the grain. It's, our brain doesn't think it's safe, um, because it's abnormal or because it's, um, we're giving up, too early and our bodies are tired and, you know, and then we start justifying and feeding a story into that where It's like, well, I am a very, very good employee. And if I must, you know, be my best employee, best spouse, best parent, I need to get my beauty sleep or I need to get eight hours or whatever it is. And we just kind of feed into this story so that we can continue to not meet our goals, so this five four three two one concept is simply not allowing our brains to talk us out of our goals um, so this goal that I've had for oh uh, a couple of years now it's probably almost been two years and um has been to wake up early and um, before my kids and I've I've had really, really good chunks of time where I've done really well and then chunks of time where I didn't. And so I wanted to figure out a way to be consistent and it didn't matter what was going on. It didn't matter if my kids got up. It didn't matter if there was um, a late night or a party or whatever it is. I wanted to make sure that I could always get up the same time. No matter what, and have control of my day, so I adopted this five, four, three, two, one principle, and I kind of took it at like a spin off of it or made it more fun, and I had my kids record. I recorded my kids, I guess you could say, and I recorded them counting down from five, and so they're kind of um, like chanting like five, four, three, two one wake up mommy you can do it so that is my alarm every morning that's what I hear and I don't have to even consciously think to count down because it's counting down for me and then it's my kids telling me that I can do it and um you know part of the reason why I wake up every morning is for them because if I don't I have less patience, less capacity, less um, understanding, less um, empathy. Because when I wake up because they've woken me up, that just like starts the day off not super great for me. So when I feel in control um, of my day, I'm able to pour into my kids more. I'm able to be patient. I'm able to not take those, um, like I mentioned, I think it was in my last podcast episode where I talked about, um, feeling really, really overwhelmed emotionally to where I was, um, totally broken down and having just this fetal position, cry in the closet moment. And it was because I had, um, talked myself myself out of getting up on time on the weekend, on one, one day of the weekend. And holy cow, I just saw how quickly my whole day spiraled simply because I didn't get my time to myself first. And it affected my whole day and it affected my kids and it affected my husband and it affected how I showed up. So this has been huge for me. Now, what I put pack into that time is also important to me. But the, the reason why the miracle morning was great for me is because I realized I needed to get up earlier. I needed to have time to myself. That's why that was beneficial. But then there were things that didn't work for me um, to do, you know, all seven or whatever um, practices in the morning. And some of the reasons are because I could do some of those things with my kids and it would actually be beneficial to do with my kids. For instance, working out. Now, yes, it is fun to work out by myself and, you know, get it in by myself, but I can actually do that with my kids and it's been really fun to see them be excited to work out. So what a great influence that is, right? And so that's something I can do with my kids. So I've I've kind of modified it to where it works. All the things that I do in the morning are things that I really can't do with my kids um, at all. It's, it's too distracting. Um, the quality of what I do is less than um, because of interruptions and distractions. So what you do in that time, honestly, I feel like doesn't matter as much as... Um, Making sure that you have the time necessary to pour into yourself, and like it def- like i said it it definitely um is trial and error, and there's different stages and phases of your life where you may need more time or less time, so like when my kids are teenagers, I probably won't have to get up as early because they'll sleep in, so if I wanted to, I could adjust my time an hour or two forward because maybe they'll be sleeping until noon instead instead of getting up at 6. So those types of things can be adjusted and then they're going to spend more time maybe on their own so there are things where they they will respect my time and space. So I feel like those things that we put in have to be trial and error and they're so they're so unique to us. Um But something that I have learned is that creating my perfect day, and when I say perfect day, I don't mean like I am in, you know, Fiji on the beach, sipping a Dr. Pepper in my case, um, and connecting with my spouse and, you know, whatever, whatever my perfect day is, say, that's truly not, that's actually not my perfect day. And the reason why is because um, the perfect day is just, an, to me, it's just an average day. Like, what are the average days? How can we turn those into perfect days? And, you know, the simple practices like getting out in nature or having a moment to yourself or um, and meditating or journaling or um, reading a really good you know, improvement book or um, adopting new practices and principles that make you a better person Um, and being able to have more peace and contentment with your children or with your spouse and having a connecting conversation or, you know, all these different things and making that more um, your focus for your morning routine, you know, making sure that we're doing our very best to put those into our mornings because that makes our perfect day so that gives us the capacity mentally to have a perfect day or emotionally or physically I feel really good when I work out I feel like I've I've conquered a part of the day when I work out I feel really good about myself I feel physically I just feel good and so that's part of my perfect day And so, okay, where do I need to fit that in? Does it have to be in the morning? Can it be during the day? Um, You know, my day allows me to do it with my kids so I can, you know, push that out of my morning routine. And kind of working backwards. So our perfect day and then what things have to be done alone and what things can be done with others. And then working it backwards even more to where what is our evening routine to set us up for success for our morning routine. So I was noticing when I was, you know, working through how to get up consistently because it felt so sporadic, like when I had the perfect um, bedtime with my kids, then I got up. Well, that's not something I have 100% control of. So I noticed that when I, you know, set out my clothes that for the next day or my workout clothes or all of my, my journal and my laptop and my, you know, different things, my workout essentials were sitting out, then I was more likely to get up because I knew that I had made all those preparations beforehand or setting alarms in my phone and making sure that I go to bed on time. So that that's not an excuse that I got my X amount of hours, whatever is important to you or whatever is necessary for you, um, so that I didn't have an excuse. So self care looks different for everyone, but it does take some trial and error. Like I said, it has taken me at least a year to figure out what time works best for me, what routine works best for me what things need to be in the routine versus don't need to be in the routine, what things have to be in my day to make it feel like it's a perfect day. And I really think that I truly believe that a perfect day is possible regardless of our resources or our circumstances. We become really resourceful when we are committed and compelled to make it happen. I couldn't do what I do every day if I didn't get up early. I couldn't build my business the way that I do without getting up early. I couldn't homeschool effectively without getting up early. I know these things because I've seen when I get up early versus when I don't and I see the difference. But that's only possible with trial and error. So I have, I have learned that self-care is a process and it's constantly evolving because so are we. I hope that we can all learn that we are worth addressing and focusing on first because how we feel affects our jobs. It affects our kids and it affects our spouses and the more fulfilled we are, the more willing we are to fulfill our own self to find peace in ourselves then other areas of our life become more fulfilling and more peaceful thanks so much for tuning in i hope you enjoyed it if you want to know more about what i do with horses empowering other people and helping them heal from past experiences Please visit my website at harnessyourpower.org to schedule a free consultation call. And I will talk to you about your goals and your um, barriers and how we can achieve those goals. And if my services are a good fit for you, have a great day.